Well, good morning, North Haven. Again, it's so great to be together here this morning as we continue uh, doing church in a different way. Uh, you in the comfort of your homes and uh, us here at the church uh, soon. Soon, very soon, being able to uh, venture uh, into uh, doing church together. So we're looking forward to that. Well, happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this Memorial Day weekend looks a lot different than past years. That goes without saying. But uh, a lot of what makes up this time is still true, still consistent. Uh, and that is what we just saw in that previous video. Uh, thank you. Thank you to all those who have served in the military, whether you've been here in the States or you served abroad, whether you've been in one of the major armed forces or, or maybe in the National Guard, whatever the case may be, uh, thank you so much for taking uh, the time and the energy, the commitment of serving in the way that you have and then certainly we think about those and we honor those who have sacrificially given their lives for this country. Uh, we take for granted so much what we have in regards to our freedoms. Uh, that is uh, just the, the uh, uh, sometimes the causation of normalcy. Um, even when we're in a situation which things don't seem normal, uh, we can still get caught up in the mundane, and as such, we really lose sight of the freedoms that we have in this country, in a large part because of the men and women over the years who have uh, stepped up and said, um, I'm going to put myself in arm's way so that uh, the rest of this country can experience those freedoms. So thank you again for those of you who have served, and certainly we honor and give thanks to those who have given their lives over the years uh, for the freedom that we uh, so uh, graciously uh, are thankful for. So uh, anyways, as we spend time this weekend with our family, and, and as I mentioned, as Memorial Day weekend looks different, and uh, we might not be doing the same things we did the year before, um, but as we spend time with our families or our, um, uh, outside or in the house, whatever the case may be, let's just take um, a moment and uh, uh, individually, collectively give thanks uh, for those freedoms and for the men and women who made that possible. Well, we're going to continue to venture into our series, uh, but um, as, as we want to continue to do, um, we want to communicate, to remain transparent as a church uh, about what's happening in the world and in this country and certainly in the state of Minnesota. The last 48 hours, there's been a lot of developments in regards to what churches can and can't do. And we are, as a church, we are up to speed on all of those uh, 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 announcements and decisions that have been made. And we're prepared. We've spent a great deal amount of time over the past uh, month putting together a plan that we've presented to you, the church, um, over the last uh, week. And we feel pretty confident as we step forward that we, um, you know, we don't have everything figured out because this is a very evolving, organic situation. And so we remain flexible and gracious, and we ask that you would do that as well. Uh, but we do feel confident that we have a good foundation set up as we venture into actually doing church together all in the same place at the same time. 
so we're going to now take the, the information that's been uh, presented over the past 48 hours. We're going to begin to marry that with the plan that we've already established and prepared. And we're going to then make even more detailed decisions about what this is going to look like here in the next couple weeks. So we'll get that information out to everybody as soon as we can. But we want to make sure that we have all of our ducks in a row before we begin communicating that to you. And if at any point you have questions, you have concerns, considerations, we welcome, we covet those things, and we'd ask that you would uh, communicate that to us. You can either, either email us at info at northhavenchurch.org, or you can Facebook message us. Um, whatever whatever uh, works, uh, we certainly would love to hear um, any of those uh, comments, suggestions, ideas, or concerns. So we've been in this series the last few weeks um, called Who Am I? And really the purpose of this series is to help not only you as the individual understand that you are individually uniquely uh, wired and gifted and called in place, but also we want to help you understand as you are, as a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're watching this and you've made the decision to follow Jesus, to make him the leader of your life, the Bible tells you that you are saved. And as such, you're a child of the Almighty God and you are a brother and sister in Christ. You are a part of the larger church, right? And, and we want to really solidify, underline the fact that, that as a part of the church and as the church as a whole, and when we say the church, we're, we're saying then all people throughout the world who have professed belief in Jesus Christ, who have followed him, th- that is the church. Those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have a responsibility as the church, and we really need to take that seriously and understand what that is. But the first step in doing that is not only understanding that we're a part of the church, but as I mentioned, also understanding that you and I are individually and uniquely wired, we're individually and uniquely called, we're individually and uniquely gifted, and then we're individually and uniquely placed with purpose by the Almighty God. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how you, you are uniquely wired. And, you're, and then last week, we talked about how you and I are uniquely and individually gifted. You know, the reason why we've been venturing into this series is because we need to stop living our lives on purpose, meaning that we're going through the motions, we're doing life, you know, uh, crossing our T's and dotting our I's, but we're not living lives with purpose. We need to understand what that means. With purpose means that we're living our lives with the purpose that God has given us. It's important then for you and and me to discover these things, how we're wired, how we're gifted, how we're placed, and then today, how we are called. Why is that important? Well, over the past few weeks, we've looked at how the church is not just made up of one person. And you should be thankful for that because if the church was all a bunch of atoms, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Now, the church isn't just one person. Rather, it is a collection of other brothers and sisters in Christ, as I mentioned, right? People who have confessed their belief in Jesus Christ and are thus saved. It is a collection of individuals who are also 
uniquely wired and gifted and called and placed. And as such today, as we're talking about your calling, your calling as well as your wiring and your gifting and your, and your place in the church, they are, with, uh, they are instilled within us, within you and within me, so that we will use those things to build others up, to serve one another, to spur one another on. And ultimately, our individual and unique calling and wiring and gifting in place is strategically inserted into our lives so that we will build up the church, so that we will cause the church to mature and, and grow, so that we will uh, join together the church, so that the church will be unified, and that so that the church will be known for its love, ultimately, Ultimately, so that the world would know Jesus. And, and all of this, as we've been talking about the last few weeks, God is the ultimate goal in all of this. God reigns supreme. There is a God, and we're not him. And God is not only the creator of your calling and your wiring, your gifting, and your place, but he's also the main recipient of those things. So why is understanding your calling so important? Well, again, as we've looked at over the last couple of weeks, the wiring, your wiring, how it is that you and I are wired, is how it is that you and I connect with God. That's how we most fully connect with God, and we looked at various aspects of that. And your gifting, that's how you strengthen the church. So when you come to Crips with your gifting, you begin to understand how your role is in strengthening the church of God. And then your place, we're going to be looking at that next week, your place is how you serve God. And today with our calling, that is how we understand how we can best serve others, serve others. And so you're calling. There's a story of an old commercial airline pilot who spoke over the intercom, and this is what he said. He said, good news, and we love hearing that phrase when we're on an airplane, right? Good news. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a strong tailwind, and we're making excellent time. Now, that sounds wonderful, right? We would love to hear that announcement if we're sitting on a commercial airline. But then the pilot, he says, the bad news is, and those are words that we don't really want to hear at all, right? The bad news is, is that our navigation equipment has gone down, and we have no idea where we are. Now, maybe that's, maybe that's you today. Maybe you can relate in some way to what that pilot was saying. Maybe you're making great time, right? You're living lives on purpose, right? You're, you're heading somewhere. You're doing things. You're crossing those T's. You're dotting those I's. But ultimately, you have no idea where you're going. You're not living your life with purpose. You see the difference there? See, this unfortunately is an area in our lives, in the lives of a believer, especially a child of the Almighty God, that's easily become something that we often overlook. But as we're going to discover, this is a crucial area in understanding and coming to grips with God's purpose for you and for me. Again, living our lives with the purpose that God has for us so that we can understand our role within the larger church and the body of Christ. Now let's look at this word calling. 
Now, when we see this word calling, uh, we, we recognize that that's kind of a powerful word, isn't it? I mean, we, we use this word almost flippantly a lot of times in our lives. And, and usually when we hear the word calling or when we see it in a TV show or in a movie or maybe in a song, we tend to begin thinking of some grand cosmic revelation that, that comes when the, when the skies part and, and rays of light beam down, right? Or, or maybe we put way too much weight in a fortune cookie that we open up. That word calling has a lot of weight to it. And as I've mentioned, we don't, however, often attribute the word calling to our own lives. And that we don't often take the time we look at this two ways. We don't often either take the time to really assess our calling or we try desperately in some ways, often in vain, to, to come to grips with what our, our calling is. We spend an incredible amount of time in our pursuit trying to find out what it is. And then, and then often, for many of us, we, we find ourselves having feelings of contempt for others who say, oh, I've found my true calling in life. But what if I could show you here today, what if I could reveal to you how the Bible lays out knowing and then living out God's calling for your life? Now, as, the, as is the case for uh, everything in our life, the Bible is the ultimate resource. If we want to find out where it is uh, that we are in our relationship with God and our relationship with others, we need not go further than the Bible. The Bible is an organic, uh, a living word. It, it interacts with us. It teaches us. It, it shows us the things that we need for godly living. And so we're going to do that again today. I believe that scripture gives us the map for discovering what your calling is. But before we can go any further, we gotta, we got to come to grips with a, an important passage. And that passage is Romans 12.2. It's going to be familiar to a lot of you, but Romans 12.2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, you've, a lot of you have heard this passage before. You've read it. You've probably done a study on it uh, from time to time. And we actually looked at this passage in some detail in a recent series that we did called Living in 4D. Uh, but we're going to kind of do a quick refresher course to lay a foundation in helping to discover how it is that you are called now the first component of, the, of this verse is, is the words do not conform. Do not conform. Now Paul, Paul here is saying this. He's saying don't try to mimic your external life to the constant changes of the world because the world ebbs and flows. It changes. It rises and it falls. And don't be like a chameleon, right, that is constantly changing its color to fit in with the environment that it's in. That's what Paul's saying. Do not conform, all right? But be transformed. But be transformed. Now, this is the act of moving from self-centeredness to Christ-centeredness. 
And notice here, and this is a really crucial key element of this verse. Notice that Paul, he doesn't say that you are to transform your mind. Or that you are to do the transforming. He states rather that you should be transformed. See, God is the one doing the transformation. We've looked at this before. That requires us to allow God to do that because we can get in God's way. God could certainly have his way, but we can also impede on what God wants to do in our lives. So when we talk about being transformed, we recognize that it's God doing the transformation because we've gotten out of the way. And then the renewing of your mind, renewing of your mind. See, transformation is the direct result of God doing his work of transformation within you, right? So God is the one transforming because you are getting out of the way and you're being transformed by God as you, at the same time, intentionally focus your mind on the things of God. That you intentionally decide and act to focus your mind and your heart, your whole being, on the things of God and not the things of the world. That's why Paul starts off with do not conform. Do not conform. Do not be like the world. Do not rise and fall like the world rises and falls. Do not be caught up in changing like the world constantly changes. But instead, get out of the way. Allow God to transform your life because he's the one that is in the process of transformation. He's about that. And you then focus, renew your mind, focus on the things of God and not on the things of the world. Then, and that word then is a key word because it shows us the effect of these things, right? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So the testing and approving, that's the same word in the Greek, that testing and approving is the act of pruning away the dead branches in order to isolate the one that is living, well, that's the beginning of the map. That's the foundation. That's the starting point. Finding God's calling in your life begins with God doing his work of transformation. You getting out of the way and allowing God to get busy with the work of transformation that he wants to do in your life and in mine that only he can do, that we can't do, only he can do. And then you making the intentional decision to renew your mind, to focus solely and completely on the things of God. And then you pruning away the dead branches in order to find the one that's alive. And that comes out practically by eliminating distractions. Eliminating distractions that would cause you to focus on other things rather than on God saying no to things, giving yourself the space in your life to be able to operate in a healthy way, in a way that is healthy to God, in a way that's healthy to others. And maybe for some of you, it's, it means discontinuing unhealthy relationships. So let me make this abundantly clear. 
what I'm about to share next, how it is that we're going to venture further in discovering God's calling in your life, will mean absolutely nothing if you can't get this first part right. This is the foundation. If we were building a house right now, this is the first part. We're laying the concrete foundation. That is this. You are getting out of God's way, allowing him to do the transforming work in your life that he is waiting to do. And that if you allow him to do it, if you get out of the way, he will, he will get busy doing it. Simultaneously, you are making the decision to renew your mind, to focus on the things of God so that you can test and approve, so that you can prune away the things in your life. You can see those things in your life that would cause you to distract your mind and your heart from God. So that you can see, begin to see, the calling that God has placed in your life and on mine. Knowing God's calling in your life first begins with God's transformation, your mind renewal, and your pruning. So beyond that, then, your discovery of God's calling in your life involves three aspects. Three aspects that begin to help triangulate, then, what your calling is. Now, the first triangulation in discovering God's calling in your life comes from your work, your work. Now, I'm not talking about your occupation. I'm not talking about the job that you do from nine to five. I'm talking about your work in that this, God created us. He created you and I to work. That was a part of God's original design when he created Adam and Eve, even before the fall, work was involved. That was part of who we were and are. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, The Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. See, God created you and he created me to work and he commands us to work to the degree that we're able to do. So here are the questions that you should be asking. In light of your work, as we begin to triangulate what it is your calling is, what God's calling in your life is, once we've laid that foundation and we assess that that first triangulation is your work, the work that God has commanded and equipped for you to do, these are questions that you should ask yourself. What gives me joy? What are the things that I do? What is the work that I do that, that really satisfies me, that I find satisfaction and joy in? Another question you should ask is, what skills have I developed over the years because of the experiences I've had, because of the opportunities I've had, because of the decisions I've made? What skills have I developed? What are the things that I excel at? And then the third question that you should ask is, what is work that I've done or what is work that I am doing that produces the most productive result? And this, this really involves some conversations with others, inviting others into the, into the equation and asking them, hey, what are the things that you see me doing? What is, the, what is some work that you see me doing that you feel produces the most positive result? That that not only you know, 
satisfies others or brings other people joy or meets other people's needs, but what is the work that produces the most positive effect for God's kingdom that you see in me? If we can ask those three questions of ourselves, what work gives me joy? What skills have I developed? What are the things that I excel at? And then what work have I done or am I doing that produces the most positive result? We can begin, as we triangulate our calling, we can begin to see even more clearly where God is leading us. So after we've established that first point of triangulation in discovering God's calling in your life, we then have to establish the second one. And the second one is your mission. Your mission. Now, your mission is something that you can't shake. I mean, this is something that stays with you. It becomes a passion. It becomes a driving force. It's that thing that when you begin to talk about it with somebody, it just gets you excited. You know, you find yourself really wanting to share and to, and to, and to talk about it. And when you hear other people talking about it, you get excited as well. There's a fire that begins to build inside of you. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, it says this, The Lord's word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I love this part. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Your mission is something that is inside of you that is burning, and you cannot hold it in. It just naturally comes, comes out. Now this can, this can sometimes manifest itself in, in, uh, in two very uh, specific ways. One way that this can become manifest is an unmistakable leading from God to a particular mission. You know, that God just makes it abundantly clear in a moment, it becomes, it becomes just obvious what it is that that mission is in your life. And we see this kind of leading in the Bible. You know, there are, uh, there are upwards of 100 people in, in the Bible as we would venture into it that are led by God in this way. But this can also, your mission can also be manifest by a gentle nudge from God to a particular leading, to a particular mission in your life, a gradual burning, a gradual passion that grows inside of you to the point where you can't contain it. And this, this guidance, this, this leading comes as a result of Bible study, of prayer, of community with others, of personal reflection. That's why as we laid that foundation earlier, by getting out of the way, allowing God to do the work of transforming you, by you renewing your mind, by focusing on him, and then by you testing and approving what God's will is, that is, that is pruning away those dead branches, getting rid of those distractions, giving yourself the space to hear God, to experience God in a way that maybe you aren't now. That's why it's so important to lay that foundation first, because you need that space in order for you to experience that gentle nudge that God often puts in our life that instills this growing passion in our lives that defines our mission. So as we continue to triangulate here and we look at your work and your mission, there are a few questions that you can ask yourself in order to maybe better understand what it is that your mission is. What is the thing that you are passionate about? 
Those questions are this, what are the needs of the community, of the region, or the world around me? Another question you could ask is, what are the unique strengths that I have? There are some great assessments out there, including strength finders, that begin to shed light on the specific strengths that you have. You know, how is it that you, again, we go back to that wiring component. How is it that you are wired, and what strengths are produced from that, from that wiring? And then the third question is, what really lights a fire in my core? Again, what is that thing that's, that's deep inside of me that, that when I begin to think about and give myself the space to pray and to, and to talk to others about, it just grows and grows and grows and becomes something that I can't contain. So we're getting closer now to triangulating what it is that God's calling is for your life. We looked at that first point of triangulation, your work. How is it that we are, so we're called to work, so what is the work that gives you joy, that gives you satisfaction, what skills have you developed, and such. And then we looked at that second point, your mission, what is that burning passion, that, 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 that core feeling that you have, that desire to be able to be involved with the things of God. And that third point of reference for our triangulation of God's calling then is your purpose, your purpose. Now earlier we looked at Romans 12 too, and a lot of times, and again, I, I, I mention this quite often when we talk about Scripture, that we cannot look at Scripture in isolation. Right? We can't, we can't open up our Bible in the morning, close our eyes and, and flip through the pages and then put our finger on a spot, open our eyes and read that passage and then just be done with it. No, God's word needs to be realized within its context. And so when we consider 12.2, we would be remiss to not consider then the first verse of chapter 12 and that is this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, there's something critical here in this verse, a number of things, but the first thing that we notice is that word, therefore. <laughs> we talked about that word, therefore, countless times here um, in these messages. And whenever we see that word, we need to begin to consider what came before. And so here we look at the previous chapters of Romans. And Paul, the author of Romans, he lays out the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It's a fantastic theology lesson when we consider what does the gospel of Jesus actually mean. Well, Paul lays that out in the first 11 chapters of Romans. And then he explores the freedom that we have only through him. And so everything that Paul talks about before verse 1 of chapter 12 is leading us up to this defining phrase. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then he takes, Paul takes his proverbial pointer finger and he says definitively, he says, this is your true and proper worship. So that word worship here is, is crucial. It is so important because it means divine service. 
In other words, that worship is what you were created for. It was why you were even created in the first place. In that you and I, we are called to a divine purpose. We are called to recognize, accept, and embrace that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the dead and he's living today and he desires to be the leader of your life and of mine so that we will follow him. And the calling to follow Christ, it lies at the root of every other calling in our lives. See, God has given you work. And that work helps define and really hone in on God's calling in your life. And God has given you mission. He's given you a mission, that burning desire that is inside of you that you can't, you can't keep inside. But no matter your work or no matter your mission, we've been given a purpose to follow Christ with greater depth and the utmost sincere commitment. So that's it. That's it. Once we lay that foundation, as we talked about at the very beginning, when we get out of the way and we say, God, have your way with me. Transform me. Change me from the inside out. God will get busy doing that. And simultaneously, we renew our mind. We focus our our mind and our hearts on the things of God. And then we begin to test and improve. We prune away those dead branches so that we can isolate the one that's living. Get rid of those distractions in your life. Begin to say no to things. Don't encumber your life with things and and agendas and, and people to the point where you don't have the space to discover what God so desperately wants for you and for his church. That is how you and I then lay the foundation to the point where we're able then to triangulate God's calling in our lives. When we look at what our work is, what is the thing that gives me joy? What skills have I developed that I excel at? And what work have I done or am I doing that produces the most positive result? And then we, we look at our mission. What are the needs all around me? And then what are my unique God-given strengths? And then what really lights a fire in my core? And when we take those two points of triangulation and we then take that third point, your purpose, which is the same for me and it's the same for you, to worship God with greater depth and even more sincere commitment. The reason why we were created. Then our calling becomes revealed. I would encourage you to begin journaling these questions. I went on this journey myself a number of years ago. I took very seriously the process that's laid out in Romans 12 too. And then I began assessing my work and my mission and my purpose. I began giving myself the space to to sit down, to pray, to listen, and to write. 
And then I invited other people into that process as well, which I would encourage you to do. People that know you. People that aren't afraid to, to be honest with you. And invite them into this journey to ask them about your, the work in, uh, that God has given you. Ask them about the mission that God has given you. Allow them to shed light on those things. And that together, I guarantee that if you venture into this courageously, you lay down that foundation in, in 12.2 that is allowing God to do the transforming work, you focusing your mind on the things of God, and you pruning away those dead branches so that you can find the one that's living. I guarantee that if you lay that foundation and then journey into discovering your work, your mission, and your purpose, your calling will be revealed, just as mine was. See, our individual calling is so important for us to come to grips with and recognize just as, as much as our wiring and our gifting and next week as we talk about our place. And we have to establish those things first because if we don't understand how individually we are wired and gifted and called and placed, then we can't understand our role within the larger body of Christ within the church itself. And we, we can't then be a part of building the church up, of helping the church grow and mature, in, in unifying the church and seeing the church join together and then helping the church be known for its love. It starts with us discovering how we are individually and uniquely wired, gifted, called, and placed. It is only then that the church becomes potent and world-changing. That, that is my vision for you. That is my vision for this church, North Haven. And we are just at the beginning because God has incredible things in store. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are, for the the glory that you possess and how it is, Lord, that you reveal that glory to us in the most unexpected and obvious places, Lord. And we pray that we would not only fix our eyes on you, but we would also set about our lives with a determined mindset to recognize and come to grips with how it is that we are wired and gifted and called in place so that we as individuals can be a vital part of causing the church to be built up, to mature, to be unified and known for its love so that the world that doesn't know you, that doesn't know your son Jesus Christ will experience the hope that will never fail, that will never fade, that will never diminish. Or we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us here today for this service. It is always a joy to be able to have this time, even in these situations and circumstances. But God is good. We've never ceased being the church. Now, I want to underline that really quick here, and I don't want to, I don't want to soapbox this, but this is really important for us to understand. How it is that we're meeting right now isn't ideal. This isn't what I want. It's not what you want. 
And you know, we will come back together again. And it will be soon. And it will be in as safe and as helpful circumstances as we could possibly make. But the church has never ceased being the church in all of this. At not one point has the church been absent. We have been present. We have been diligent. We have been committed. And we will continue to be. Even though our circumstances are different, even though the environment in which we inhabit is different, we have never or will we ever cease being the church. You can rest assured that that is always true. And I'm so thankful and privileged to be a part of this church. Thank you, North Haven. I love every single one of you, and I can't wait to see you again soon. God bless.